All right, and we are rolling once again. I am Lee Grant. This is Kevin Pendergrass. And as always, we are exploring faith and pursuing grace. And in our pursuit of grace today, we are joined by Justin Panel. He is a preacher for which which church is it that you preach for? Did I say your name wrong? It's it's Justin Panel, but I get you know, I'll, I'll respond right. to Panel. That that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I preach for the Sheridan Avenue Church of Christ in Florence, Alabama. Oh, very cool, very cool. How long have you been with them? This is my fourth year. Fourth year. We were in Huntsville, the Huntsville, Alabama area for well, Owens Crossroads. If you're from here, know where that is. For about eight years, and uh, in our fourth year here, Kevin's tickled. Oh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Panel. I, yeah, I probably should have told you. Do we you need to start over? Last name. No, no. It's yeah, that good, that would have been helpful, man. I should have asked. I should have oh, asked. All right. Well. Well, of course it is. Well, Justin, in any case, even if uh, Kevin wants to laugh about it, we're glad that you're here. We're glad you're taking time out of your schedule to join us. And the topic that we're going to talk about this evening, it's something that I haven't really given a lot of thought to. It's something that I haven't paid a lot of attention to. And within the churches of Christ, it's really not a topic that's discussed very often. And even though it's a, it's a very helpful topic and it's a very helpful practice, and that's fasting. I can remember growing up as a Pentecostal in Pentecostal circles. Fasting is something that's discussed more frequently. It's a practice that's engaged in a little more frequently amongst the more charismatic circles and even some other circles. But within the churches of Christ, it's not really a subject that's discussed very often. So I think this is going to be a good discussion. I think this is something that will shed some light on a on an often ignored aspect of, of spiritual formation in the Christian life. So thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, really glad to be here. I agree with everything that you just said. And let me back up and say, uh, I really do appreciate the invitation to be a part of this. Uh, I listen to the podcast and it, it's really, it's really intriguing. And y'all are two brave men to tackle what you do, but you do so with humility and grace and a spirit of love. And just know that I, I really do appreciate that. Well, and, thank you. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to talking about this uh, neglected subject as you, as you mentioned. So, yeah, yeah, this is something that I had I, well, I heard a lesson. It was a lesson you gave, I think, a few months ago, maybe last year, when you were going through some different topics. The, and, the beginning of this year, actually. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and y'all didn't you do a twenty-one day fast? Yeah. Or yeah. So, twenty-one so the, day fast. But well, no, no, I did not do a twenty-one day fast. <laughs> uh, I, su- I suppose I'm sure some people have, but this was a twenty-one days of prayer. Um, we actually kicked that off in February. And it was just sort of a way to, uh, of course, a lot of churches have done a, a 21-day exercise like this. And so, of course, with COVID going on, we were still sort of in a lockdown, uh, you know, kind of remote situation. And so we, we met on Zoom every morning at 7 o'clock for a time of prayer. And then I also was doing a sermon series on prayer during this time and just sort of praying, um, starting the year in prayer and devoting attention um, to something that we often neglect. And um, really the background of all of this for me is just the idea that we that there's always a next step to take with God, right? Yes. I mean, God, God is always calling us in deeper, higher, further to who He is and His purpose for our lives. And um, God has great things for us. I think about what Paul said in Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. I mean, God has incredible things for us, and, and I don't want to leave any of that on the table. And I believe a lot of what he has for us uh, is behind the door of prayer and, and yeah, occasionally, occasionally fasting. 
So well, Justin, that's we kind were, of the context of this. We were talking about this just a little bit prior to, to recording here tonight. And that is the, the idea that fasting is not only neglected in most churches and in most teaching in churches, but also the way that I was raised, it was actually frowned upon to fast. And I remember the this one particular congregation that I went to, they uh, they did a whole series, or I don't know if it was a whole series. I know it was at least a whole lesson on fasting about how we're not commanded to fast, how that's not for us today. And what they were doing, they were responding to a area congregation who had implemented fasting and that was something that they had promoted. It was in the newspaper and different things. And they had did this whole lesson in response about how that's that's unscriptural and that's a liberal idea and all just just it was it was interesting to hear their take on that because the way that I was raised, fasting was almost viewed as a as a taboo. It was just something that you didn't talk about. And if you did talk about it, you talked about how that's something we no longer do today. It was something that maybe the Jews did as part of the law and the Day of Atonement and things of that nature. But today, that's that's not really for Christians, and it was just brushed aside. See, that's really interesting because in the One Cup group, in the One Cup church, fasting wasn't something we talked a lot about, but it also wasn't something that was discouraged. It wasn't frowned upon. It, it was a completely neutral idea. But one thing that was frowned upon was if you were fasting was to talk about it or to say, yeah, I've been fasting. I've been having a hard time. And, and it was, it, it wasn't looked down upon. It was just, it was, I, I guess, softly and passively discouraged that if you were in a state of fasting and prayer, you know, you could ask for help for prayer or to ask for prayers on, on behalf of whatever issue it is that you're facing or you were needing help with. But if you were fasting in and you were involving fasting with that prayer for that issue, whatever it was, it was it was softly discouraged to state that you were in a state of fasting. That's not something you should really say or brag about. And that goes back to, you know, Jesus talking about how the Jews would put on makeup and make themselves look all sickly and whatnot so that they could be seen of men. And he's like, if you fast, you know, wash your face, make yourself look good. Don't let anybody know you're doing it. So in, in the one cup group, it, it's not really something that's frowned upon at all, but it's not really something that's actively promoted either. And frankly, it's not something that's really even discussed all that often. And before yeah. we, before we hit play on this or record on this, I was talking about how in my previous life in those Pentecostal circles, it was something that was discussed more often. It was something that was practiced more often. It was something that was encouraged, but it's really interesting how in other faith groups and in faith communities, it's not really something that you hear a whole lot about. Well, I would say even in the congregation I grew up in, I, I don't know if I would use that as the rule in the churches of Christ, or at least more the mainstream churches of Christ. Uh, other congregations that I attended, it wasn't so much they discouraged it, but you were just kind of weird if you if you did fast. <laughs> that was something that everyone kind of just talked about underneath their breath, because there were a few members, I remember at one congregation who well, I say a few members, one family in particular who did fast and people used to talk about them. You know, they were kind of the weirdos and uh, they were the ones who, 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 who you know, they, they were they were different for doing that. It certainly wasn't an encouraged practice. That's for sure. Yeah, I've noticed the same thing. Um, and I guess I have a theory or two as to why that might be the case. But I can recall 
um, when I while I was growing up. It's just something we didn't really say much about. And and if we did say anything about it, or you ever heard it mentioned in a lesson, it was always <laughs> prefaced very well with a disclaimer. Now we don't have to do this, or you know, the Bible never commands that we engage in fasting, and um, and so I, I think that's pretty telling. But yeah, I I can attest to the same thing. Well, and it's strange that we give disclaimers like that for a practice that's absolutely biblical. I mean, you see it in the Old Testament. You see how they would engage in fasting before certain holy days. You see how they would do so before they would go into a, you know, a prayerful state for whatever reason for the nation on behalf of the nation. You see Jesus speaking of it, as we mentioned just a little bit ago with the Pharisees disfiguring themselves. You know, we see the apostles doing it. We see them talking about it. So, I mean, it's absolutely a biblical concept, and it's really strange that, you know, one of the things I've always admired and that I appreciate about the Churches of Christ is the desire to be biblical and to function in a biblical way. Even if some of those conclusions, in my opinion, at this point in my life are arrived at by really not treating the Scripture as efficiently as it should be or in really the correct way or in the best way, let's put it that way. But it's so interesting to me that something that is such a biblical concept and does relate to a spiritual lifestyle is something that's largely ignored. That's a really strange thing to see within the restoration movement DNA. So why do you suppose that is? Why is that something that we don't really spend a lot of time discussing or something that we really don't place much value in? Well, I would think, and again, I want to be really careful when I say this kind of thing, but, you know, there is a mentality among some of our brotherhood that, you know, if um, church X, Y, or Z down the road walks through the door, then we need to go through the window, no matter how much the Bible has to say about the, the, the worth of that topic. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the Bible says so much about it. Jesus Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, um, verse 16, and when you fast, when you fast, he's talking to his disciples. And, and so I think that Jesus definitely expected we would, we would do this. Um, and it's interesting to me, too, how, I don't, I don't know, Lee, I think that sometimes in, in our brotherhood, in the, in the churches of Christ, if I can use that kind of terminology, we... No, you're not allowed to. Not, not allowed to. Use, okay, okay, well, I'm, okay, we'll take that out then. Um, we we have the things that we really like to pay a lot of attention to, like the order of the worship service, um, the things that you can and can't do within that, the the roles of men and women, obviously, as y'all discussed earlier. And um, we, we know a lot about this one hour of the week. But here's my question. What about the what about the rest of the time? <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. we're not in the building and, and, and thinking about things that are sort of internal church matters. What about that time? And well, that's really what the subject of fasting is all about. Well, during that time, you're supposed to be studying about what you do within <laughs> okay. the worship hour, Justin. <laughs> okay. Don't, don't, don't okay. you know these things? <laughs> okay, well, uh, yeah, you've corrected me there. Um, no, yeah. I, think, I think that's a great point uh, in all seriousness, because you're right. The focus has, has seemed to be just on that, that one hour, two hours of worship in the corporate assembly. And then as far as just pragmatically, how are we to live a Christian life? It's There's really just not a lot talked about. Maybe some more general teachings like, well, be kind to one another and those types of things. But as far as, well, how are we supposed to better our, our lives outside the assembly? How are we supposed to grow closer to God? 
and everything just keeps coming back. Well, make sure you go to church. Make sure you go to church. Well, well, what are you doing outside of that? Because most people live their lives outside of, quote unquote, corporate worship. And we all do. And so what are we supposed to be doing during that time to draw us closer to the Lord, to to develop these spiritual disciplines? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of our focus and a lot of um, what we teach our children, have taught our children, again, is just very, uh, very internally focused and and sort of, and again, again, I want to use these words carefully because I know that there are some people who love the Lord with with clean and pure hearts who who feel this way, but I think a lot of it is is just so legally driven, you know, where, okay, you need to read your Bible. Well, how do I do that? Well, I don't know, but make sure you read your Bible and you need to be praying. Well, oh, well, how do I pray? Well, I, well, we'll talk about that later, but you need to make sure you're praying and uh, make sure you come to all these services. Here's when they start. And here's when they end, you know, and this kind of thing. But yet, yes, we, we don't really sometimes say a whole lot about these practices of, of cultivating this relationship with Jesus. And, and to me, that really, I, I think understanding Christianity as a walk with the Lord, as a personal relationship with the Lord is really foundational in this. Because again, I'm, I'm not... Uh, you know, we, we don't fast so that we can understand the, the, the rules of, of this one hour better, but we, we, we fast uh, and we practice prayer and, and meditation and things like that so that we can cultivate our relationship with the Lord and uh, come to know Him better. Justin, you said something that I want to just make a quick point to, to circle back around to, because you said that when you were given this lesson or when you heard lessons on fasting presented, it was, there were so many qualifiers of, well, we're not saying you have to, or you need to, or anything like that. That in and of itself kind of exposes that attitude, does it not? That it, attitude it that, well, if we don't have to do it, then let's, why are we even talking about it? And I've actually met people who, who've said that, not necessarily about fasting, but other things. Well, why are we talking about this if we don't have to believe it, if we don't have to do it? And, and to me, that does just expose the problem of how that individual or individuals are approaching Scripture. It's, it's well, what do I have to do? And, and let me just find out the, the minimal amount of work that I have to accomplish in order to say that I'm, I am a Christian. And so when you kind of get into this territory of things you don't have to do, I think people tune out. They're like, oh, whew, okay, well, I don't have to fast, and I certainly don't want to fast, so I'm not going to listen to any more what someone has to say about the topic. Well, and especially whenever the approach to Scripture and worship and everything else is is presented in, in a lot of churches. I know not every church does it this way. I know the church we go to now doesn't do it this way. I mean, and frankly, the church that we went to before didn't do it this way. But whenever things are presented in a black and white way and your soul relies on your adherence to this particular set of principles and practices, whenever you talk about something that's considered superfluous like fasting, it's not something that's necessary. It's not something that's required. You know, you, you might put it that way in their minds. Well, then it is. Well, why are we talking about this? If, if this isn't pertinent to the saving of my soul and my soul isn't going to be won or lost on this topic, well, then why even discuss the topic? Shouldn't we stick to those things that are, quote, more important, you know? So it, it seems like that might be part of the driving factor behind that, too. But who am I? What do I know? Well, when, when I did this lesson uh, a couple of months ago, I, I concluded it by asking the question. I said, someone will inevitably ask, can I get by without fasting? Can I make it through life without fasting? Can I go to heaven without fasting? And 
the answer to that question is it's no, absolutely probably. not. <laughs> we we are going. We have you on this show to to teach the audience, and we finally reveal this after fifteen minutes to teach that fasting is an absolute requirement to go to heaven. I don't even know how to respond to that, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, so so Justin, how long have we known each other? Six years. Kevin, I was thinking about Ten it on years? the way to the building. It, it's something. I maybe. Yeah. Well, how so long have we eight? known each other and liked each other? That's probably the. Oh, okay. Question. Well, that that's a, well definitely less time than we've known yeah. each other. Yeah. Because sure. because the very first time, the very first time when we were still at the Owens Crossroads Church Christ near Huntsville, Kevin came over to uh, to do some. I think I think it was fundraising or something like that for yeah, the gospel. Yeah, that's when I worked with the Gospel of Christ. Yeah. Yes, that's when he was. Yeah, that's when he was working for them, and, and so he was over there to uh, solicit funds and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> garner support and and i kevin i think we had a conversation in the course of you being there either before or after the service of at that time i was exclusively the youth minister there and we were going to uh we we were going to winterfest each year and i and i don't know how that came up that you really found that out or maybe i volunteered that information but then kevin everyone needs to know that that the old kevin then proceeded to speak to the leadership after uh we had spoken in private and um and try to have me fired and tell tell the leaders <laughs> that <laughs> is really leaders on point for old Kevin. Yes, I was wow. I was taking the the uh, church down down some tubes and streets um streets that we didn't need to go down. And so Kevin wanted to make sure that they were aware of the danger that I was presenting. So thank you, Kevin. I appreciate <laughs> and, that. and to to the credit of one of your elders and shepherds at that time, uh, his response to me was, "Well, that's really none of your business." There you go. <laughs> I will say they they uh, they protected you there, but but yeah, that was that was a few years before we actually became friends. Three or four years, yeah, before we, yeah. You know, because obviously kind of if I was trying to get you fired. I don't think I knew <laughs> we were friends. Kind of a rocky but, way to start off the relationship, <laughs> but yeah. And then then we, uh, you know, I started changing, finding grace, and, uh, and and my enemies became my friends, and my friends became my enemies. And, <laughs> <laughs> so here we are, but uh, but yeah. So so Justin and I, we 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 love to to kid each other, joke around. We always have a good time. I call him little buddy a lot of times. It sounds derogatory, but he calls me little buddy too. So it works. Hey, it all works. It oh, all yeah. works. Well, instead Back of trying, I was going to say instead of trying <laughs> to get him fired by talking to the elders, Kevin, you really should have fasted and prayed about that before you that, got started. That would have been the biblical thing to have done, Kevin. Oh, and absolutely. I wish you would have done that in retrospect. So, All right. So, so, so with fasting, back to, yeah, back to yeah. the point. Back to fasting. Back to fasting. So whenever we look at fasting within the scriptures, I mean, I, I think we all have an understanding of what fasting is. It's whenever you abstain from food for either a particular time during the day or, you know, maybe you go without food completely or maybe you just go without food for part of the day and you eat one meal a day. Maybe if someone's a diabetic or they have some other health concerns and they want to fast, they can, you know abstain from that or abstain from other things other than food. A lot of times when we consider fasting, we think about it in terms of food, but mm -hmm. a person can abstain from other things, other, maybe we might call them distractors, if you will. But in the biblical sense, so often when we consider fasting is considered in light of food and the purpose, as, as you were saying earlier, Justin, when it, with a fast is to draw one closer to God mm -hmm. or to form a deeper spiritual worldview or perspective on a particular topic, or maybe to seek clarity on a topic. How does fasting play into that? What do we see revealed in scripture regarding that? And what kind of application do we see from some of that there? 
Yeah, I mean, Scripture is just full of references to fasting, and admittedly, a lot of them are in uh, the Old Testament. Uh, You know, we see, okay, well, we'll just go through some of them. Moses, we see him fasting for 40 days when he went up on the mountain to receive uh, the commandments of God. Deuteronomy 9, um, Ezra chapter 8, we see... um, we see Ezra when he journeys to Jerusalem with this new wave of returnees from Babylon, and he calls for a time of prayer and fasting for protection on the journey. Uh, Queen Esther, we see her requesting that the Jews fast for three days before she enters the king's court. And so that's interesting, you know, that she's she's asking her community to, to go through this drawing nigh to God to seek his favor and protection. And so we see that. Um, Daniel 10, we see Daniel fasting in order to receive answer to prayer. Skip over to the New Testament, of course, Jesus. You know, he fasts for 40 days in the wilderness before he begins his public ministry. Um, In the book of Acts, we see references to fasting. We see fasting um, when Saul was met by Jesus on the road to Damascus. He He fasted after that. We we see in the book of Acts chapter 13, it was in the context of worship and fasting that the Holy Spirit set apart Saul and Barnabas for the work of special missionary work. And um, so we see just several examples here where people fasted in connection with um, seeking answer to prayer, seeking protection, seeking spiritual guidance. Uh, again, even, even Jesus is fasting at the beginning of his ministry. And, and so fasting is connected to so many awesome things in the Bible, uh, both when it's done communally and when it's done privately, and it definitely has a place in the Christian life. Um, and and I, and I know that we can get into some dangerous territory when we start to bind these kinds of personal disciplines on other people. But but again, uh, Jesus said, "When you fast, it's as if He kind of expected that we would do it." Well, and Justin, I, I was kind of interrupted you there. We went on a little uh, detour. (laughs) But uh, getting back to what you had said, you said that inevitably the question comes up, well, can I go to heaven without fasting and those types of things? I I didn't want to, I want to get you back there because it sounded (laughs) like you were, you were going somewhere with that. And so I want to make sure that, uh, that, that you're able to cover that point. So what, what, what were you making with that or what, what, well, well, what I was, what I was going to say, and of course, of course it wasn't, you know, the, the the main point of the sermon or anything, but I did want to conclude by asking that question because I know I think a lot of people do ask, well, do I have to do this to go to heaven? And, and the answer, well, I'm not, I'm not God, but probably, probably, probably yes. But I think that's the wrong question. That's not, that's not the question that Christians ask. Well, what is the minimum amount that I can do and still squeak in the pearly gates. I want to, again, I want to take everything that God has for me on the table. I don't want to leave anything. I want every blessing, every spiritual blessing in Christ. I want every blessing for my marriage, for my family, uh, for my ministry, for my church. I want it all. And and I think that that, that prayer and fasting are are a part of this. And so that's why um, that's why I said that. Well, whenever you link what you said about prayer and fasting being a blessing, and then we look at what we see about fasting in the Old Testament, when it was practiced, who practiced it, how it was practiced communally, how it was practiced on an individual basis, and how it occurred in in times when clarity was sought or an answer to prayer was sought or God was being petitioned on behalf of an individual or the very the whole nation of Israel, even in their exile in Esther's case, you know, the idea is, is that fasting is usually involved with something heavy going on, either That's in right. the communal life or in the individual life. 
And whenever we consider fasting as a blessing, and it's interesting that you use that term, Justin, because I'm wondering in, in what way do we view fasting as a blessing? Because whenever I think about fasting, we were talking about this earlier, I lift weights. I'm not, I've not been as consistent with it as I need to be lately. I need to get back at it because I feel like I'm just shrinking into nothing, but I, you know, my nutrition's on point, you know, I don't want to miss a meal or anything else. I can fuel my body. So for me, it's hard for me in, in my perspective where I am. And maybe it's because I'm focused on the flesh and not the spirit as it relates to this topic, but it's hard for me to view fasting in terms of a spiritual blessing. So how would you flesh that idea out? Yeah, well, I I think there is another foundational principle that, that I shared uh, with our congregation and that many, many others have shared as well. The, this thought isn't original with me. Um, but I think, I think with regard to this, it helps to have a little uh, biblical anthropology, helps to kind of understand um, how God created us and think about just our nature as, as humanity just for a moment. And um, hopefully I won't go too far out on a limb here, but when God created the world, I think we would all understand and agree uh, that he created, um, and I'll explain this, but he created one part two-part, and three-part living things, okay? So, for example, let's take a, a, a tree, okay? A tree is a one-part thing. It, 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 there, it, it doesn't have a tree spirit. It doesn't have a tree soul. It's just a tree. Now, it is a living, it's a, it's a living organism, but it's just a tree, okay? Um, that's all it will ever be. And then you come into the, the animal kingdom, okay? And we have cats and dogs and, you know, zebras and donkeys, all kinds of animals that God created. And we understand that, that they are also a living being. They have a body, but they also, they also have a mind. You know, and there's, there's some interesting references when you get into the, uh, the Hebrew uh, in Genesis with regard to God, uh, God giving a, um, the, the breath of life. To, to these animals and kind of how it describes that. And it's the same breath of life that we have in us, but we understand that there's sort of a second component that the animal kingdom has that a tree doesn't have, okay? Yeah. Well, well then we come even further and we look at the creation of, of, of humanity made in the image of God. And we are, uh, there's different ways to break this down, but the, but the Bible speaks of us being as basically a tripartite, triune being, okay? We have, uh, we have our mind, but we also have we also have a soul. A lot of people want to uh, kind of equate the the mind and the spirit, you know, and we can parse all that out maybe. But and then we have a body, and and so to me the point the point of fasting is I want to connect each of those parts with God. I yeah. don't I don't want to live a disconnected life. I want to connect my mind to God, but not not only my mind. I want to connect my soul to God, and I want to connect my body to God. And this is really interesting. Um, Paul, of course, will talk about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, this he's going to be um, combating uh, uh, this Gnostic view that what I do in my body does not matter. Yeah. And Paul's going to say, no, what you do in your body does matter because you are one being, uh, mind, body, and spirit. And Jesus taught us that we want to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's that physical component, our strength. And so the, the idea, the blessing, as you were asking, the blessing of fasting is me connecting with God and me connecting all of myself with God because what I do with my body, contrary to even maybe some of our own uh, brethren, what I do with my body matters. It does. So whenever we consider fasting in those terms, whenever we seek that blessing, 
how do we see that blessing manifest itself in scripture? Because we know what the practice is. We know Mm -hmm. what they did. They would abstain from foods or from certain drinks or from certain activities for a time. And in what way would that blessing manifest itself scripturally? Well, again, you know, when we, you know, we can look at the examples of, uh, of Queen Esther, her story worked out, <laughs> you know, she, <laughs> you know, she requested that the Jews uh, pray and fast with her and God gave her protection. Um, Daniel got his answer to prayer. Jesus was successful in his public ministry. And, and of course, I'm sure that the Lord fasted and prayed a whole lot more than we have record of in the Bible. And so I think that we, in turn, we receive we receive those things. Now, I understand that we're living in a different time where, um, you know, we, we can debate about the age of miracles, you know, and, and, and that type of thing. But still, I think that when we are when we are seeking God's voice in a clearer way, sometimes it just kind of helps to turn down the volume on everything else. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and you mentioned earlier this idea of not just fasting as being something that we can do with regard to food, but fasting as just this idea of saying no to, to things that we go to for fulfillment, whether it be Fox News or CNN or these other things, whatever, whatever we're going to for, for fulfillment, we turn the volume down there so we can hear the voice of God more. And I, and I do believe that there is clarity that comes from that. I do believe that there is spiritual blessing that comes from that. And do I fully understand all that? No. But I do know that Jesus said to do this, and uh, and I do believe that what he said is good for us, it's good for me, and it's worth doing. Well, and Justin, that's something that I have seen play out in, in different people's lives, not just fasting when it comes to food, but when it comes to certain modern tech, you know, practices and modern technology of, you know, your smartphones, certain social media apps, you mentioned TV and, and just news and those types of things, because those things are really distractions and I, and they're not wrong in and of themselves. I mean, obviously they, they can be, but I don't think they're intrinsically wrong, but we live in a world of constant distraction. And I know there's nothing new under the sun in the sense of generalities, but there, there is a lot of new things under the sun as far as technology is concerned. And it seems like everywhere you go, people are constantly trying to to do something else or think about something else. They're not really living in the moment and they're distracting themselves from the way they feel, from things they probably should be thinking about. You had mentioned meditation because it seems like prayer, fasting, and meditation are three concepts that go hand in hand. And meditation is, is something else that, you know, most of us don't feel like we have two minutes to spare in our day. We're constantly trying to max out that time. And if we're waiting, let's just say we're stopped at a red light. Most of us are grabbing our phones and we're checking our email. We're checking our our Facebook status. We're checking all these different things and we're not ever relaxed. Our minds are never just at ease. And, And there is a calming effect from talking to people who've really done some fasting. I've done a little bit uh, of it. And, and I have felt that I've not really done it to the extent of, of most people who really practice fasting as a, as a regular discipline, but I have done it. And there is such a peace and calm and clarity, as you mentioned, yes. that comes from this, that if we're always plugged in, we're not, we're not able to experience. And back then food, and maybe I'm overreaching here. You just let me know if you think so, but food was really their technology back then in the sense that food food was almost synonymous with fellowship and and hanging out with people. 
Um, you know, when you think of the idea of food back then, that that was social, getting together yeah. with other people. And so mm-hmm. when you're fasting, that there was there there's also a sense in which you probably weren't going out and doing as much as you would have otherwise been doing if you weren't fasting. And so there is a, a time of unplugging, of isolation that I think goes hand in hand with fasting. And maybe, as I said, maybe I'm overextending that a little bit, but just from everything I've researched on the idea of food in the in, in during that time period, it was always associated with with social events, typically. Yeah, I mean, so so much happened at the table. I mean, you know, of course, you can eat a meal on the go today and just get you know, nourishment in your stomach filled, but, you know, tables are there for a different purpose, you know, because you interact with others, whether, you know, is, is your family or friends. And, and so, yeah, I think there definitely is a social component to this. And, and sometimes, um, the, and, and again, this is something that I'm growing in and I don't do it all the time, but when I have done it before, you do sometimes kind of hit this awkward moment where, you know, you hear of people that are going out to eat <laughs> and you're thinking, man, that sounds really good right about now, but you're doing this other thing and you're focusing on God. And uh, again, I think that, I don't know, Kevin, you know, I just think about the concept of self-control, you know, uh, again, kind of relating to what you're talking about. We just seem to have so little of it. And, um, and I think that this is one very tangible way where we can uh, regain some self-control and, and really think about, okay, what, what part of me is driving the other? Is, is, is it my physical body that's driving my desires and what I do, or is it, or is it my mind? Or, um, we want this, we want God to be in charge. We want, we want this, we want to be led by the spirit as Paul is going to say, and not led by the flesh. And, um, you know, a, another interesting thing that I'll point out here, um, in, in Matthew chapter 17, the disciples, the disciples encounter this man with a, with a son that has a demon. And they were unable to cast out this demon. You probably remember the story. And uh, so they, so the father brings this son to Jesus. And then Jesus says something really interesting in verse 17 of Matthew 17. He said, O faithless and twisted generation. How long am I going to be with you? He said, faithless and twisted. And could it be, okay, when I think about faithless, I think, okay, not connected enough to God. Twisted or perverse as some translations say, I think about too connected to the world. He said, you're, he said, you're not connected with God, and you're too connected with the world, and that's part of the reason why you were unable to cast out this demon. And then at the end of this, he's going to, he's going to tell the disciples, now we could get into some textual criticism here that we're not going to, because some translations have this wording, some don't. But Jesus says, this kind will only come out by prayer and fasting. And so, again, I know there's some textual issues there, but I, I, I think the overall idea being that there are some blessings that may lie beyond the door of prayer and fasting, and we've got to open that door for us to receive them. Well, and even whenever you talk about fasting as a measure and a representation of developing greater self-control, this is something I don't know if either of you follow Jocko Willink. He's a Navy SEAL. He has a podcast. He's written several books on leadership. He's a jujitsu guy. So just if you're in the jujitsu world, you know who Jocko is. And he his podcast is incredibly popular. He has really good stuff out there. And his biggest shtick is accountability and discipline. 
And even in the secular world, fasting is discussed by Jocko even more so than it is within the churches of Christ as a measure to develop more discipline in, in the physical life and, and, to, and to develop a greater sense of control over oneself and over one's appetites. Because and whenever I think of fasting in terms of food, that's not I can, I can go without eating if I have to, but whatever, I am going to be distracted because I'll get hangry and that's not good for anybody. <laughs> that's but the struggle when, with fasting. Yeah. But whenever I think of fasting in terms of other distractors, Kevin, like you were talking about with social media or with my phone or with email or with other things with video games, I'm a gamer. I'm an avid gamer. I've got every console except the newest ones that have come out. Cause the only reason I don't have those is you can't find them anywhere. I don't know when I have time to play. I mean, there will, um, I'll go months without picking up a controller because I'm just so busy with other things. But the idea of putting the phone down, for me, that'd be w- a way harder prospect than abstaining from food for 36 hours or 48 sure. hours or 72 hours or for however long. You know, going off of social media or not getting on my email or just leaving my phone and getting an old dumb phone out and carrying that for a few days, that would be a more difficult proposition because these things are designed to basically to derive hits of dopamine from your brain whenever you use them. And so to abstain from those would be a great deal of self-control. And I can't imagine, and I'm kind of motivated now to go off of an elect or go on an electronics fast to see what kind of clarity can come from that. Because it seems like whenever you're free of those distractions, you do have more clarity. You do have a greater degree of focus on the things that really matter. And in a spiritual sense, it seems as though that would be an, an incredible blessing that you could realize in that sense. Yeah. And Justin, something as you were talking, and, and we're just having this conversation that just came to my mind, is you were talking about how people approach this in a legalistic manner. And in reality, this is more just descriptive than prescriptive in the sense of this is just something that early followers of of Jesus did. And it, when you, when you look at really why they did it, it wasn't so much a special incantation that if you fast and say the right words while you do it, then all these blessings are going to happen. But it, it's, it was really a matter of transforming your mind, which the Bible talks a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, and it's interesting too. Um, of course, when let, let's see, I had a, had the reference written down here, but you know, of course, there's a Pharisee that comes to Jesus and his brag. Okay, here it is, Luke eighteen twelve. His brag is that he fast twice a week, and so now obviously he was not in the proper relationship to Christ, and and so he was he was fasting two times a week, and and still not where <laughs> God wanted him to be. And so yes, clearly that's not all of of the answer here. Um, but then, per, I don't know, perhaps there's a ditch on the other side of the road that some of us fall into when we say, well, these kinds of things are never important, and I'm just going to tell yeah. the flesh, I'm just going to tell the flesh, yes, every time it comes knocking, whether, well, and, whether, whether it be for Facebook or food or whatever. Yeah, and, and getting a couple of points I want to make. So, first of all, going to the Didache, which we really don't know who wrote this, but it was it's certainly some some early Christians uh, who, who wrote this. And certainly it's, it's not part of the, the canon. It's, it's something that, from my understanding, no one considers to be Scripture. Um, I hope not anyway, because some of the things that are in it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, something that I, I found interesting is you brought that passage up where Jesus is talking about, you know, the Pharisee bragging about fasting twice a week. So this actually is in the Didache here. 
which most people believe this was written late first century, early second century. It says, uh, but let not your fasting be with the hypocrites for they fast on the second and fifth day of the week. But for you fast on the fourth day and the preparation day on Friday, neither pray as the hypocrites, but as the Lord commanded in his gospel, thus pray. And so even here, it talks about how it seems to be, and we've talked about this on the show, a lot of the early church writings certainly fall into the category of, of more legalistic understanding, and um, we won't get into all that to, tonight. But even here, they're, they're fasting, and it, whoever is, is writing this, uh, whoever who are the author authors are, says that, hey, we, we, we're going to fast, but we can't do it on the days that the hypocrites do it, the Pharisees mm-hmm. do it, uh, because they, they fast on the second and fifth day of the week. We've got to fast on the fourth day and on, on Friday. So those are the days that we're going to fast. And so you already see kind of this early development of just kind of checking it off your list because it even says later on, this is in chapter eight of the Didache, it says uh, three times in each day pray. And Mm -hmm. so, so it's once again, this checklist, and I've seen a lot of people do that with, with prayer and saying, okay, well, I'm going to pray three times today, or I'm going to pray five times a day. And, and and they're missing the whole point. It's, it's like the father that says, well, I'm going to spend, you know, this amount of time with my children, but they're really not there. They're just going through the list and they're just doing it instead of really purposefully being involved and engaged. And I think one of the purposes of fasting we see throughout scripture, and even just within that culture is it was a way to really be engaged with God, to really be focused on God. I mean, how many of us go out to eat with our spouses or our friends? And if, especially if it's friends, if, if it's friends we're usually around and we find ourselves just playing on our phone, we're not really there. We're not really engaged. And I, I think that's really a, a benefit of fasting too, is that it forces us to really engage with our thoughts and with God, especially if we're uh, if, if we're integrating things like fasting or prayer and meditation and those types of things within fasting as well. But also something I wanted to bring up specifically with fasting as we understand it as, as it is usually defined, abstaining from food. In, in America, according to a Harvard, uh, the, the Harvard School of Public Health, this was in 2020, almost 72% of adults in America are considered overweight. And so so you're looking at oh, more than 7 out of 10 of Americans are overweight. And I'm sure that within Christendom, that would be probably pretty accurate as well. And a lot of preachers kind of mock this idea. Uh, and and I'm look, I am not trying to be ugly at all, but Lee and I did a podcast on alcohol months ago. And we talked about how sometimes the argument is, well, it's not good for your body. And, you know, these are the same people who are eating, you know, Twinkies and and Ding Dongs, and they're going for their fourth and fifth plate at lunch fellowships and potlucks. And you have to wonder, okay, well, where's the consistency here? And once again, not trying to be rude because I I was overweight many years myself. And in fact, I still am. I'm I'm on Weight Watchers right now as we speak, trying to get healthy. But that doesn't seem to be a, there's, there's not a push in many churches to be healthy physically. And I think a lot of that goes back to what you said, where we have separated the spiritual from the physical so much that we almost neglect 
the physical because we don't think it matters. It's, it's almost like, a new form of neo-gnosticism in a way. It, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right because the focus becomes so it's so much on uh, you know, on what, what, what am I doing for my spiritual body? And so fasting is, is something we just neglect because we can say, well, we can, we can grow closer to God in other ways. Cause I certainly don't want to miss any meals. And, you know, I don't, and, and, and Justin said, I don't have to do it. And so therefore I'm not going to do it. And as I said before, this is something that I think is such a big deal in many churches that they don't talk about it at all because, so many people, and I, again, I'm not being ugly to anyone out there right now because I put myself in the same category, but we're, we're not our, the best versions of ourselves, physically speaking. We're not trying to be the best versions of ourselves. And sometimes we even excuse as to why we're not trying because, well, God's going to save our soul. It's about our, our spiritual aspect. It's about the spiritual aspect, not the physical aspect. And I think that just not only sends the wrong message, I think that's unbiblical. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and it kind of reminds me of some things that uh, I believe, as Wes McAdams said when he was on the show with you, I don't know, a couple of months ago, kind of discussing the new creation. And yeah, th- this idea that um, that the physical is important, too. And um, yeah, when we when we relegate that to, well, well, that's, that's not important. You know, the, the spirit's what's important. And if, if I go to church, that's what's Well, of course, those things are important. But we are, again, we, we are triune beings, and God made us that way. And God, God said that, hey, these things are good. Um, and if that's what God said, then that needs to be modeled in our attitudes toward them as well. And we need to take care and be good stewards of what God has done to us. But we also need to learn to occasionally tell the flesh no and to tell our impulses no, whether it be to pick up the phone and scroll through Facebook or to pick up, you know, just snacks. Not even, not even when you're hungry, you're just looking for something to do late at night and you're just going to stuff your face. Uh, that Hey, that's my weakness right there. Just veg out in front of the TV. Man, amen. Me too. Make, make about five trips to the refrigerator <laughs> before I go to bed. Well, and there's another wrinkle to that that I think is interesting. I know there's a lot of people, whenever they get stressed out and they have a high degree or a high deal of stress in their lives, you know, a lot of people will smoke, for example, because the nicotine stimulates their nervous system in a certain way that helps to calm them down and help them cope with that anxiety. And a lot of people will use food in the same way. I know myself, I'm a stress eater. And if Mm -hmm. I'm stressed out or if I have a high degree of stress in my life, and that doesn't just mean I had a stressful day. So I'm going to open, you know, a, a package of Oreos, knock the whole thing out in one sitting, though I have done that before and I'm not proud of it. And boy, I didn't feel good after I did it. But a lot of times if you deal with stress for two, three, four, five days and you're really stressed out, a lot of people are stress eaters and in eating those comfort foods, those junk foods, you know, we may call them that brings a certain chemical release and it affects our nervous system and our neurology in a certain way. So many foods that we get today are addictive. They do have addictive qualities because they're extremely high in fat. They're extremely high in sugar and they're extremely high in salt. And then our bodies grow accustomed to those high levels of those things. That's why a lot of kids are picky eaters because they're given fruit juice at an early age or they eat pizza or, or whatever else. Dude, I'm getting hungry just, just listening to you <laughs> well, talk about I'm, I'm starting to right as well, now. but we're going to fast at least through the rest of this episode. But, but in any case, a lot of times whenever you get stressed out, you eat. Correct. And you, I know I do that and I have done that a lot. But if we think about this in terms of fasting, instead of using that 
as, and this is something that just came to mind while you guys were, were talking about this. If that is something that I am doing, what if I replace that food? What if instead of grabbing that bag of Doritos, I decide I'm going to set my timer on my phone for two minutes and I'm going to pray. I'm going to set sure. a timer for two minutes. And I'm going to pray instead of grabbing those Doritos. I'm going to pray, or I'm going to spend five minutes and I'm just going to open the word and I'm going to read what is written there as a source of encouragement to, to decompress, or I'm just going to be still and I'm just going to think, and I'm just going to contemplate. I'm just going to reflect. And there's, it seems like that that would be a healthier way towards a better spiritual formation rather than using food as a crutch in those stressful situations. We can start to rely on God. We can increase our spiritual activity. And in, in, in essence, we can strengthen that inner man and that spirit man. Well, well it's just I, go, go ahead, Kevin. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, that when there, when it comes to addictions of any type, you know, addi- it, it, and it doesn't have to be a true clinical addiction, but just anything that that we habitually find ourselves doing and find it hard to say no to, just as you pointed out, you know that that is where there's self control missing. And and I don't want to turn this into a legalistic conversation of well, you know, you've got to get to the point where you can do this or do that because that's right. what a lot of the early Christians tried to do, and they found themselves truly seeing how long they could go without eating, and if if you know, like some of the early uh, church fathers ended up becoming hermits and lived in the desert because mm-hmm. they, they, desert they, didn't, they yeah. wanted to show how much self-control they had. But I think about really my own life because, you know, earlier I was talking about, about eating and, I, and I'm, when I say I've struggled with this, I really have. I've actually, uh, not only am I part of Weight Watchers and thankfully I, I have lost a good bit of weight over my life and I'm still working on trying to get healthier. But, you know, I, I really see that as an addiction. I've gone to counseling actually for, for um, what was called a binge eating disorder. Um, that uh, I was I was diagnosed with, and it's the idea that I just late at night I would just eat, eat, eat. And I'm like, this is so weird. I'm not even hungry. What's going on? And I mean, there a lot of that was just whether I was stressed out or whatever. That was how I was I was coping with it. And I think the difference, Lee, you're talking about, you know, oftentimes instead of of utilizing food, why don't we pray? Why don't we fast? And I think one of the reasons why people don't is because Eating is kind of an accepted part of our society, even overeating. It's almost kind of expected sometimes if you go to a party to overeat. But, you know, if the same person, if they were, if, if, if I was struggling, like, let's say three nights out of the week, instead of binge eating, I was finding myself at the bar getting drunk. People would have probably a big problem with that because that's not culturally acceptable. They'd be saying, well, what are you doing? You're, you know, you're harming yourself. You, you could harm others, but because it's almost kind of a culturally accepted thing and, and, as I said, over 70% of people are considered overweight, then it's not really, it, it's such a sensitive topic. A lot of people don't want to discuss it. And when I was in counseling for my overeating, um, we talked about my past porn addiction and which we've discussed that on, on the podcast as well. And I actually never had to go to, to counseling for porn, but I have had to go to counseling for food. And one of the things that my counselor brought up, this was a couple of years ago, he said, well, you know, the thing with with some of these other addictions is you're trying to completely overcome it with food. You don't actually overcome food. You have to learn how to to live with it. (laughs) And uh, because it's something that is a is an important part of your life. It's something that you're never trying to get to the point of not doing again. And so I think that if we teach self-control, 
And, you know, fasting and self-control to me, you can't separate the two. I think they go hand in hand. And if we were to teach self-control, especially to children, because a lot of children are obese now, a lot of children are, are morbidly obese. And I mean, there's more people having diabetes now. I mean, you, you're seeing all of these because this is, you know, it, it the, to me, the spiritual and the physical all all come together. Because it's not just a matter of, well, we need to, you know, we need to fast because it makes us healthier, but it's, well, we need to fast not just because it gives us more discipline, but because ultimately God is calling us to live the best lives that we can live. And mm -hmm. ultimately focusing on him to be the source of not just our comfort, but when we're stressed, the source of our strength, uh, when we are living in chaos, he's the source of our peace. And so I, I just think of this as a fantastic topic because most of the time when people look at fasting, to me, they either uh, minimize it or they dismiss it and they don't realize all of the facets of fasting. So whenever we consider fasting in terms of what we do, we've, we've talked a lot about what it is and we've talked about the benefits. So Let's suppose that, I mean, one of the things this conversation is doing for me is it's helping me to realize that this has been, I guess, a missing piece of the puzzle of my spiritual formation. And it's something that I should probably examine and look at and take more seriously and something that I can, I can benefit from if I implement this. So if there's someone listening that has an idea in their mind, you know, Kevin's right. Justin's right. Fasting is something that can benefit me. This is something that I can do to help my own development of self-control, my own discipline and my own spiritual formation. Justin, what advice would you have to someone that wanted to begin to incorporate fasting into their spiritual life? Where would they start? Like, where would you start with someone who, you know, that maybe they've never done this before? Yeah, just some what, practical suggestions. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there are a few things that I would say um, that are very helpful, very important. Uh, first of all, set an objective. Um, prepare yourself for this. Prepare yourself for what you want to receive from this. For example, I, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this because I want to be closer to God. I'm not as close as I want to be. I, I want to I be closer to God. I want to give God um, more of myself, okay? Uh, maybe Maybe you are doing this uh, as a sign of contrition. Maybe you're, maybe you're coming out of a period of, um, I don't know, willful sin, and, and you, you do this in, con in conjunction with asking for forgiveness and, and renewal. Uh, hey, here's another one. I, I think about just um, setting the objective of wanting to learn to focus on things that are eternal. I mean, you know, we, we live in a world that is so enamored by the right, I mean, by right now and what's going to happen this coming Saturday, what ball games are going to be on, where I'm going to go. And, and fasting is just a great way to refocus on the eternal and remind ourselves that what's happening right now that is, is not what this is all about. Um, we need to just be reminded of the, of the brevity of our life. So, so, so that's number one. I would just say set an objective. Um, maybe you're also uh, thinking of specific prayer requests that you have. You know, some people fast with regard to prayer requests. So that's another idea. But secondly, um, I would recommend deciding what kind of thing you're going to do. Okay. And this is where there's a lot of variety. You know, there's all kinds of, you can get on the internet and find the, you know, the, the, the Daniel fast, the Elijah fast, the Jesus fast, you know, there's all, there's fasting, you know, all kinds of ways, but basically decide what you're going to do. And, and number one, start small, start, start small. If this is, if, if fasting from food, for example, is what you are going to do, then I would recommend starting small. 
Um, don't start out trying to do a 24 hour fast because you'll probably do it once you'll hate it and you will never, ever want to do it again. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> been, there, been there, done that. Okay. Um, and so, so start, start small. Now, obviously, of course, the medical disclaimer, Lee, I know that you can probably one up us here, but I know there's some people who don't need to try to fast from food, you know, because they have diabetes or other kinds of conditions that would prevent them from from doing so. But, uh, you know, for most people, fasting is not only possible, it's a good idea. Yes. (laughs) It's not going to hurt any of us to skip a meal, or at least for most of us anyway. So start small, decide, decide what you want to do. Um, you know, maybe you're wanting to fast for, for 24 hours. Now, now before, um, I have done this where I'm thinking, okay, this is when I was a little newer to the idea. Okay. I'm, I'm going to wake up today and I'm not going to eat. Okay. Well, that sounds really good at seven o'clock in the morning by two, 2 PM in the afternoon, you're about to die. Okay. So what I would recommend if you do want to engage in a 24 hour fast, start at, uh, start at six o'clock in the evening, you know, eat, eat dinner, start at six o'clock and then say, okay, from now I'm going to, to try to give this next day to God and, uh, really and, be purposeful with it. Yeah. Really be purposeful. And like. yeah, yeah. Continue to drink water, whatever you need to, um, stay hydrated. And then of course you would break your fast, uh, the following day at the same time, that's a lot easier than going, you know, without, without eating the night before and then without eating the following night. So, and then maybe, um, maybe during this time, of course, when you do feel those hunger pangs or you have these impulses to pick up the phone or whatever, you know, whatever it is that we're looking at, allow those impulses to call you back to God. Allow that 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 feeling of emptiness and discomfort in your stomach to be a reminder. Hey, am am I this hungry for God? Like, do I care about God as much as I do going and alleviating this feeling that I feel right now? Uh, and again, I don't think that. I mean, fasting is not so that we can get God to feel sorry for us, and it's not that God likes to see us suffer. That, none of that is what fasting is. But it is a great way to remind us of what Jesus said when he quoted Deuteronomy, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then maybe one final thing I would say is expect results. Expect results. Um, Jesus said in um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 18, he said, and your father who sees what is in secret will reward you. and, And I want that. Uh, and, and I think that we all do. Whatever, the, whatever those rewards are, we want them because he wants to give it to us. And so Jesus promises those great results when we fast in order to be closer to God. And um, God gives the best rewards. And so um, sign me up for that. Absolutely. And one of the points you made that I think is really critical is the idea of being mindful with it. You know, being mindful, you're not just going to wake up in the morning and say, well, I'm going to fast today. (laughs) This is something that you should really set your mind on. It's something you should plan for. I mean, if you're going on vacation, you don't just, well, some people do, especially people that don't have kids and they have a big bank account. They say, ah, let's just get in the car and let's go somewhere, you know, for a few days. Let's do this or let's do that. But most of the time, if you're going on vacation, you plan it. If you're going to do something in your life, you're going to plan it. You know, we plan our week. We plan what we're going to do you know, look ahead to plan that fast. That way you're being mindful. It's not something that you should do just off the cuff. And another disclaimer I want to throw out there, you have Moses fasting for 40 days. You have Jesus fasting for 40 days. Don't fast for 40 days. It's not going to end well for you. 
there was obviously something supernatural going on there, I, I think. And, and yeah, yes. that is a very important disclaimer to make, especially yeah. the whole without food and water. Part. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there are people that have tried to do a 40-day fast and they've died. So don't fast for 40 days. It's not conducive to life. And just I agree 100%. There's something supernatural going on there. But also fasting, it's not just abstinence from food. And I think that's a huge point that we can make for people that do have health conditions, that do have health issues. There are other things that you can abstain from in order to grow spiritually and in order to become more centered on God. So I I think this has been a really, really good discussion. It's been a a great discussion on an often overlooked topic. Um, Kevin, Justin, is there anything you guys want to add before we wrap it up? Well, I was just going to say, Justin, it's great to have you, brother. We're going to have to have you back on to discuss some other things. I know that this is something that you said that you really just have started delving into this year, and I guess you've been kind of preparing before this year when you were uh, studying for your lessons on this and trying to put some of this into application. But I, I think this is a topic that many people don't discuss, and so I hope it's been beneficial for our audience. I hope the practical suggestions have been beneficial, and to just see that you know, next time when you're reading in your Bible, notice those passages about fasting because they're there. There's a lot of them, especially in the New Testament. When you see how often the church fasted, especially in the book of Acts, they did a lot of things that, you know, with fasting, they would do those things first. And Paul talks about that a lot in his writings. And it's something that really pops up a lot in scripture and something that shouldn't be dismissed or minimized or tried to, you know, just explain it away. But let's try to understand what that means. And as Lee, you pointed out, if you're not able to fast from food because of some sort of medical condition or pre-existing condition, well, then there are other things you can fast from and other ways that you can develop uh, self-discipline and really spend a lot of time with God. And that may be unplugging from social media for a period of time or just really making sure that you're planning your days, you're planning your hours and everything's accounted for. And when you look back, see what kind of emphasis did I put on my my spiritual life? And when I say spiritual, I'm not separating that from the physical, but what what did I what kind of emphasis did I put on my relationship with God today and my relationship with the Lord? And I think that for far too many of us, and as as always, I throw myself in this category. I look back and I wish I'd have prayed more. I wish I'd have spent a little more time in meditation. Um, maybe that's something we could have you back on to discuss a little bit too with with meditation and those types of things because I think that's important. That's another one of those topics that we don't like to discuss because it seems weird, especially in our culture. You know, we think of people who meditate; they're uh, oh. cross-legged and yeah, you know, wow, wow. yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know they have their magic crystals and things of that nature. And um, so I, I think just being able to kind of understand what meditation was back then. And how that could be a benefit today. That may be a good good discussion to have too. Oh, thanks, sure. thanks so much though for coming on, Justin. Man, you are you are awesome as always. And I'm I can't wait to have you back on to discuss some more, brother. I'm glad that I'm I'm not trying to get you fired anymore, man. I'm glad we could <laughs> reconcile that. Well, this this podcast hasn't aired yet as of tonight when we're recording this, so we'll see what happens when it all comes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, no, I, I no, I've really, I've really enjoyed it, and and Kevin, I appreciate everything you said, and and Lee, I appreciate you and getting to meet you here, and uh, Kevin, one thing that I've always just appreciated so much about you too is just your transparency. You have an incredible level of self awareness and transparency that I want to emulate more in my life, and 
And I appreciate everything you've shared tonight. And yeah, I mean, I, I think I think this is a great topic. And yeah, it, for me, it all just kind of comes down to, you know, God's calling us closer. What do we need to say no to in order to say yes to Him? I love and that. So, so I would, I would, I would love to come back and and uh, think maybe a little more about that. Absolutely, man. Would love to have you back. Um, right, and we'll we're about to sign off. But before we do, Justin, I have one more question for you. Is there a place on the internet that people? I know a lot of churches are putting sermons and lessons and things like that on the internet and things like that. And I know that you had preached on this. Is there a place online where people might be able to go to hear the sermon or watch the sermon? Uh, yes, you can visit our church website, uh, Sherrod Avenue. Um, Hang on a second. I, I think I'm going to have to go. Well, I'll tell you what, just, I'll tell you what, man, just, <laughs> yeah, we can cut that up. just, just email me the, the URL and I'll throw it in the show notes, brother. And we'll, we'll link to it so that our audience can watch it. If this is something that you guys have an interest in, you'd like to hear more. Um, Justin has given a lesson on this and you can definitely hear it straight from him. And I know you'll be blessed for it. I know you get a lot out of it. So brother, once again, thank you for being here to our audience. We want to thank all of you. We always appreciate your patronage for listening to us. Um, we appreciate you sharing this podcast with other people. We're amazed and just taken aback and blown away at how much growth we're experiencing and how fast our audience is growing. And that's because you guys are sharing this with other people. You're engaging on social media. If you're getting something out of this, share it with your friends. Give us that five-star review. If you ever need anything or have any suggestions or questions, or even if you just would like for us to remember you in our prayers, drop us a line on our email address. We have it listed in the show notes. We thank all of you very, very much. We love you all, and we'll see you all soon.